Hello, I'm Anthony Morrow and welcome to the Get On The Money podcast where I help you understand your money better. I've worked in the finance industry for 20 years and I think it's still far too complicated for most people to get their head around. I've watched those people who don't need any help get richer while the people who need the most help continue to struggle. Basically, if you don't understand your money, then I'm here to help you. In this episode, I'll be giving you the lowdown on saving and investing. You're going to hear from Bethan. Bethan's in her 20s and she's working short-term contracts. She's not thinking about buying a house yet, but she is interested in making good financial decisions and she had some questions about the best way to do that. I don't know what to do with my savings. Do I put it in more shares or do I keep it in case the shares go wrong? Am I therefore opening myself up to losing out on interest? I've got some tips for you if, like Bethan, you also want to think about your financial future. But first, I want to tell you this item I've spotted in the news and how it could impact the cash in your pocket. On the way, we're going to be hearing from Bethan and talking about investing. But before then, I just want to cover a really important point that's been in the news recently around consumer protection. It's really important to remember that not all investments are the same and that there are many out there that are what we would call unregulated. And by that, we mean they aren't policed by the Financial Conduct Authority, who are the overseer of all regulated firms, such as advisors, pension companies, investment companies, who all have an obligation to act in the best interest for their customers. And most importantly, if they don't, then those customers have safety nets to help put them in a position that they should have been had they been treated correctly. Now, unfortunately, not all investments are regulated. There's an increasing number of investment opportunities and solutions that we see on social media and other forms of advertising that aren't regulated and aren't covered by the Financial Conduct Authority. Now, this means that if you are unfortunate enough to invest in these companies and it turns out to be the wrong thing for you to do, you lose money, or even worse, they turn out to be a scam and just not exist, then often there's nowhere to go. You've lost that money. And it's really difficult for normal people to recognise that difference because if you look at some of these adverts, they're pretty convincing and it's usually in the small print. And even some of the bigger brands out there, they only provide certain protections for you in terms of being covered by what's called the Financial Compensation Protection Scheme. That's a really important thing for customers to be aware of as to whether or not the investment they're making or the decision they're making is covered by the FSCS. Because if it isn't, then it means all the risk as to whether or not it's the right thing for them to be doing sits with them. But also there are areas such as cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and they're not regulated, they're unregulated. And the FCA is trying to get its head around how they can regulate those services. Because at the moment, we've got lots of people rushing into these products based around the idea that they can get rich quick. We know there's no such thing as a get rich quick scheme. And if and when, and I'm very much of the when community, these services fail, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be left nursing losses that they have no means of getting any compensation for. 
So the FCA are announcing various changes for regulated companies to improve how they deal and act on behalf of their customers. But I really want to focus on the difference between regulated and unregulated, and it is huge. And it's really important if you are considering making an investment that you know, firstly, the person who or business that you're investing with is regulated and unregulated. If they're unregulated, you really need to think around whether or not that's the best thing for you to be doing. Secondly, and this is both regulated and unregulated, will your decision and will your investment be covered by the Financial Services Compensation Scheme? Again, if it isn't, then you just need to think about whether or not you're comfortable knowing that if you make the wrong choice, there's going to be no compensation coming your way. I'd love to hear if you've spotted what look like investment opportunities on social media, what you think about the advertising, and whether or not you could tell whether or not these were regulated, unregulated, or covered by the FSCS. Drop me a line at chat at getonthemoneypodcast.com. Get on the money. Straight talking. No jargon. Helping you make sense of your money. Hi, Bethan. Hello, Anthony. You all right? Yes. Thanks for joining me on Get On The Money podcast. You're very welcome. It's good to be here. You're in your 20s and like many other young people, you're working in short-term contracts or the gig economy as it's widely known. How do you find managing money under those circumstances? It's very confusing. I don't really know where to start. I remember when I was at uni, we had a sort of lecture about how to be a good freelancer. And we were told before you get any sort of job, you should get an accountant. And I sort of listened to that. And I was like, um, do I really want to pay for an accountant when I've not even got any money yet? So I don't know where to start. It's all very confusing. There's no one you can really ask for advice for free. You know, your colleagues change from gig to gig. So unless you make a long term connection with someone, it's very difficult to get advice from your peers. So yeah, it's just a massive minefield, really. And just ignoring the work side of things for now, how confident do you feel when it just comes to money on a day-to-day basis? To be honest, I was thinking about this last night because I was with my friends this weekend in London and one of them said to me, what's your budget for this weekend? And I was like, um... Well, to be honest, I don't really have one because my income changes like so often that I can't really do that. I'm just sort of trying to spend as little as possible. I have a current account, obviously, and I have my savings account. I try to keep my current account as sort of minimal as possible. And I view that as like all the money I have. So I don't think about my savings. So I don't spend too much because in my head, I only have like a certain fixed amount. Yeah, I mean, the world of money can be quite difficult to understand that certain bits of it are extremely complicated. Where have you been taught or learned about money? Gosh, you know, like nothing really comes to mind because I don't really think I've ever been taught about money. Mm. I did have a couple of lessons in PSHE, I think when I was about 15 or 16. But the thing is, it's like the teacher, as much as she was helpful, she was a drama teacher. So, you know, it would have been good maybe to get one of the economics teachers or something who taught the sixth formers. I just remember her telling us about standing orders and current accounts, savings accounts, and putting like down deposits for houses. There's only so much you can teach in like essentially two hours worth of lessons. Apart from that, it's just word of mouth, isn't it? It's just hearing from your friends. Oh, you should sign up to this ISA or hearing from like your parents about 
their experience. But other than that, no sort of formal learning. Financial education in the classroom is a pretty well-thumbed book in terms of it being something that's a good idea. Do you think that's definitely something that would help make not only money more accessible, but give you more confidence in terms of making decisions around how you manage your cash? I'd say yes, because... I've been quite slow on the uptake in terms of signing up for ISAs or like buying shares and things or just thinking about investment or making sure I have money to fall back on because I didn't know where to start. I don't feel confident about it really at all. And, you know, I think it's something which people don't want to admit to because partly because it's embarrassing and you also don't want people to think that you don't have like a handle on your money and you don't want to open yourself up to scammers as well by just sort of openly admitting that you don't know what you're doing. I think the point you made around being embarrassed around money is a really good one and it's one we've touched upon before in that there's almost a taboo around money. It's like the second taboo for people, isn't it? After sex, money comes second in terms of what people are just so reluctant to actually talk about, which makes learning quite a difficult thing because the number one place people learn about things is from friends and family. Yeah. Anything that can be done to improve people's confidence in talking around money, good or bad, actually will lead to better outcomes in the future. Trying to understand and share bad experience as well as good experience is a really important thing. Because really, you know, some of it is quite straightforward. When you sit down, think about it and take a step away from what you think is really complicated, then first part is budgeting. You know, knowing how much money you've got and knowing how much money you need to pay for things. You can then start planning whether or not it's saving that rainy day fund or... Once that's done, then looking to do things like investing for the future. And it's that area I just want to touch on because I know you've got an interest around savings and investments. How much do you know about that world at the moment? Um, Not much, to be honest. I sort of bought my first shares a couple of months ago. I've been talking about it for a while to my dad. He didn't really like have anything to say apart from well, how about you just invest in the ones that I invest in? And I was just like, yeah, okay. You know, I, I, I guess That's I do have That's as good a place like... as any to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If it's so good I enough for that. Dad, it's good enough for you. Exactly, yeah. I know this sounds really irresponsible, but I haven't even looked at how those shares have been doing since I bought them. I just kind of put it to the back of my head and got on with other things. And then in terms of other investments, I've got a lifetime ISA. And then I've got my savings account, but I don't know what to do with my savings. Do I put it in more shares or do I keep it in case the shares go wrong? Or is that, you know, losing out on an opportunity to make some good money? You know, am I therefore opening myself up to losing out on interest? Well, there's a lot to go out there. So, But if we start <laughs> with the most important bit and saying that it's totally not irresponsible for you to not be constantly looking at your shares. And the reason I say that is if you get to the position where investing in shares for the long term is the right thing for you to be doing, then it's really important that you take that long-term view. One of the natural consequences of investing in company shares is that they will go up and they will go down, particularly in the short term. But history suggests that over the long term, they will go up. Now, one of the problems if you're constantly looking at these things is that human nature tells you when you look at it and there's a particular bad day that you start to worry and you start to think, oh my God, should I sell or should I get out of there? And that's the last thing you need to be doing, okay? Because one, investing should take away money worries 
because it's there, it's building for the future. And secondly, those short-termism can really lead to some bad decisions being made, particularly if you end up selling shares after they've fallen, because in that way you're, you're almost certain to lose money. So which is why it's really important that before you get to a position of investing in shares, that you're comfortable that you need to hold those for, in my view, at least five years to really get the benefit of investing in shares. So actually, the best time to invest is when you are comfortable that you can lock that money up for a period of time, which means that you need to have got the foundations in place first. And that's that rainy day fund. So that money that you can rely on for a whole range of circumstances, whether or not something breaks that you urgently need to replace, or sadly, if you suffer from you know, some health condition, which means you can't work, or you lose your job, that rainy day fund is there to give you some comfort. Get those foundations in place before you start worrying about where to invest your money. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like, it's, it's reassuring hearing that. In terms of the future... What sort of plans have you got? Have you got any you know, short-term goals? Buying a house is usually, <laughs> is usually an important one, but one that looks increasingly difficult for certainly young people like yourself. Yeah, to be honest, I haven't really given it much thought. Just partly because I'm freelancing, I don't really know what the deal is in terms of applying for a mortgage because obviously my income's so unstable. I can't even like really afford to rent somewhere at the moment, so I've not really been able to sort of set any specific goals yet yeah and that's absolutely fine I think sometimes we can all get a bit lost in terms of this sort of aspirational view that we're presented with as to what we should be doing whether or not it's yeah we absolutely need to own a home and if we don't own a home then somehow we're we've lost at life and it's just not Mm. the reality of things and I think people in their 20s you know, there's a changing in views in terms of what they want to be spending their most exciting decade mm. doing, whether or not it's sacrificing everything to save up for a deposit on a mortgage that's going to then encumber them for, you know, the thick end of most of their life, or whether or not they want to take the opportunity and have flexibility and not be beholden to anyone and just enjoy themselves. Yeah, I'd agree. Like, I don't think my parents bought a house until they were sort of 30-ish, so I'm not worried about it. I know there's a pressure behind it, and I know it's a sort of good thing to invest in, but I don't want to be tied down. Even if I could afford it, I wouldn't really want to be tied down yet to sort of one place. Before COVID, I was definitely more work-orientated. My goal was just to sort of work as much as I could, earn as much money as I could, save, and then see what I could do with that money, but now that you know we've been sort of stuck indoors it's got me thinking a lot about how like some of my quote unquote best years are being kind of wasted and it makes me just like really want to go out and grab life by the horns and that's sort of what I want to spend my money on in the next 10 years obviously make some investments in the background but just like have fun because if you're in the position where you can have fun with your money, then why not? Because life's not about money, but life's about enjoying yourself. Otherwise, what's the point of living? I think you're absolutely spot on there, Bethan. The fact that money shouldn't drive all your decisions. Mm. Obviously, it's important that you're not reckless, but having a sensible approach and balancing life's goals and aims with building up cash savings, certainly in your 20s. Plenty of time ahead for that. Anyway, Bethan, thanks again for being a guest today. 
Oh, you're uh, welcome. Thank you for giving me that information. It's much appreciated. And uh, wish you well for the future. Thank you. You too. Bethan's pretty clear that while she doesn't want to be tied down by a mortgage so early on, she's still interested in thinking about her financial future. Let me explain what investing really is. The first and most important difference between saving and investing is the fact that when you invest your money, there is a risk that the amount you invest can go down. This is different to a savings account where the money you put in is guaranteed and the bank or building society pays you an interest rate for that cash. In many ways, investing is very similar to gambling because they both rely on being able to predict the future. Now, clearly no one can predict the future. Now, with, let's say, sports gambling, you put your money on a horse, there's a race, and at the end of the race, that horse is either won or it's lost. Clearly, which of investments. And thirdly, look at costs. Make sure you get the cheapest cost you can. Fees really make a difference. A good place to start for any beginner is what's called a index tracking fund. They invest in hundreds and sometimes thousands of individual companies and you effectively buy into all of those individual companies and they are always a lot cheaper than what are called active funds. And if you're worried that you've left it too late to start investing, rubbish. There's never a wrong time to start investing. You obviously can't invest yesterday, so start investing today. Next time, do you understand how interest rates work? You'll hear from Abby, who needs a bit of help. When I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's nice. It doesn't change for the first two years. But then there's a scary bit when it goes to variable. If it went up to X, Y percent, you could be paying 1,900 a month. And I'm like, but that won't happen, right? I'm going to give you my cut out and keep guide to interest rates and the easiest way to understand them. If you're getting good tips and advice from Get On The Money, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Get On The Money podcast is out every other Thursday. To continue the conversation, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Get On The Money. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>